Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. We started a, a series of messages this morning, and uh, we're just going to kind of continue on that. So I want to go back to Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all men. Um, personally, I was brought up in a religious group where, where we thought that God only offered salvation to certain people. We called it a limited atonement. Right? But the Bible's very clear, let whomsoever will, and he offers salvation to, it says, all people. Now, the grace of God is talking about, and it says, it teaches us to say no. God's grace teaches us to say no to ungodly and worldly passions. A lot of people think the grace of God is a license to do whatever you want and just say, God, I'm sorry. Right? But that's not true. Um, first of all, usually when people say that, what they mean is, God, I'm sorry that you don't like what I do because I like it. Right? But when Jesus came, Jesus came with a gospel of the kingdom and he said, repent for the kingdom of God is here. It's at hand. It's right now. The kingdom of God, as he's saying, is here. It's available to you today. Uh, so often in Western culture, particularly, we think about the kingdom of God being something we're going to die and go to. But Jesus said, pray your kingdom come. Not you're going to go to it. He says, pray that it come to you. Right? It's not something that happens when you die. It's supposed to be something that's happening while you're alive. Right? So the grace of God that brings salvation, it's for all people, and it teaches us to say no to ungodly, worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. The very opposite of what so many people have the idea grace is. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace is the ability to not sin. Right? Uh, now, Jesus' message was repent for the kingdom. Right? Now, repentance, again, is not saying I'm sorry. Uh, Right here in my notes, I put down my, my friend Rick Renner's uh, quote out of his sparkling gems. He says, repentance is not a fleeting temporary sorrow for past actions. Rather, it is a solid intellectual decision to turn around and to take a new direction in order to completely change the pattern of one life at every level. It is a mental choice to turn towards God with all of one's heart in order to follow Jesus. It's the birth canal through which we are born into the kingdom of God. So we're talking about the grace of God that enables us to say no. It teaches us and enables us to say no to the things of this world. So to begin with tonight, I want to talk about saying no to the devil. Now, unfortunately, a lot of Christians live their life as if the devil did not even exist. Right? But if that is what a person is doing, they're ignoring a huge portion of the gospel. Jesus personally confronted the devil. He was tempted by Satan. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 19, For we know for a fact that we're of God, and the whole world around us lies in the power, others say the control of the evil one, 
opposing God and his precepts. So we know for a fact we're of God, but the whole world is under this way, under the power of the evil one, of the devil. How many of you have noticed the world is a mess? Yeah, I've had people say, well, if God's in charge, man, he sure is messing things up. Well, the Bible tells us that the devil is the one that's messing things up. In fact, if you look at your Bible before he shows up, beautiful garden, man and woman living together in harmony. He finally, in Revelation 20, verse 10, gets thrown into the bottomless pit. And then we have a new heaven and a new earth. There's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more death. You might get the picture that while he's here, there's problems. And once he's gone, the problems are gone. Because he is the author. Jesus said the thief, the devil, he comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The Bible says in the book of Corinthians that Satan is the God, small g, of this world. Jesus said the prince, speaking of Satan, of this world comes and he has nothing in me. So often we just think, well, God's taken doing all these things. But the fact is there is a devil. And he comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy Peter said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He cannot just kill anybody. He cannot just devour anybody. He's looking for someone to devour. And by the way, he devours ignorant people, and he devours people who cooperate with him. You give him an inroad, you give the devil an inch, and he will take five miles. Right? But he's looking. And by the way, the ninth verse says, resist him steadfast in the faith. So the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from who? From you. So my question is, when's the last time you resisted? Because the last time you resisted is the last time he fled. Right? So <clears throat> James four, verse seven, therefore submit to God, resist the devil He'll flee from you. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. When Satan came and tempted Jesus, Jesus gives us the perfect example of how to confront the devil. Every time the devil showed up with a temptation, Jesus said the same thing. He said, it is written. He came with the word of God. It's interesting that in the book of Ephesians, when it talks about standing against the devil, it says to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word, literally the rhema of God. Right? In our Bibles, two different words, Greek words are translated word. One is logos, which means the entire Bible. And the other is rhema, which is the Bible that has been made alive on the inside of you. And some say it even needs to be spoken. I think it's interesting that Jesus spoke. Right? Now, three times the devil came, and then it says that he left him for a more opportune time. I, I remember as a young Christian, I thought, well, I'm just going to follow God. I'm going to be so spiritual that I will never have problems with the devil. Right? Listen, the only way that's going to happen is for you to die. Right? That's, that's when you're going to stop having problems with the devil is when you die. Right? So we need to say no. To the devil. Uh, recently, I, I reread a book by the revivalist uh, Smith Wigglesworth, English preacher. And he tells in, in this book, he tells about 
standing at a bus stop in, in England and a woman came out of an apartment building nearby and came and stood by him. And she had a little dog, one of them little bitty dogs. Right? And uh, the dog was rubbing up against her leg. And she said, oh, you can't come with me. Huh? You need to go back. Get going. Go. Oh, you're so cute. Now just get going. You need to go home. You can't come along. And then that bus came. She stomped her foot and said, get now, go. That dog took off. And Wigglesworth said, without even thinking about it, he says, that's what you got to do to the devil. That's how you've got to treat the devil. Right? You've got to be strong. You've got to be in faith. And you've got to speak. All right? that's, how, that's how you confront the devil. Isaiah 54 in verse 17. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Now, notice what it says. Every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Right? This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and the righteousness of me, says the Lord. So the Bible is telling us that when we're attacked, when things are said against us, that what we need to do is we need to rise up and we need to condemn it. We need to stand against it. When the devil shows up, you need to tell him, no, you don't. In Jesus name, not here. Not to me, you don't. Not to my family, you don't. Not to my marriage, you don't. Not to my kids, you don't. Not to my grandkids, you don't. Not to my body, you don't. Cancer, you can't stay here. Get out of my body in Jesus name. You've got to confront it. Right? How do you resist the devil? You resist him with words. The Bible says in Revelation 12, it says, and they, that's us. They overcome him, that's the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. If you've never said anything, you're never going to be an overcomer, right? Because you've got to say something to overcome. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Our testimony needs to be what the blood of Jesus has purchased for us. And again, some of us were, were like, I don't even think that, you know, I just never had any problems with the devil. I've never ran into the devil. Well, that's because you're both going in the same direction. Either that or he's eating your lunch and you just don't know it. All right. I, I, one of my, my mentors who's now in heaven was Lester Summerall. Lived in over 100 nations of the world, traveled the world extensively for decades. He tells a story about being in Asia. He was in a church. And as he's walking down the center aisle, the place is already full and they've, they've been worshiping and he's walking down the center aisle and he's going up to speak. And a woman stops him in the aisle and says, you've got a black angel in you and I've got a white angel in me. He said, I recognized immediately what was going on, that this was a, what was literally a confrontation with the enemy, with the devil. Right? And he says, I knew this. He says, if, if the devil is manifesting and you do not confront it, he said, you lose the battle. So he said immediately, he says, no. He said, there's a white presence in me and there's a black presence in you. And I command it, come out of her in Jesus name. And she fell to the ground. Now she got up and literally didn't know what was happening, where she was. He, but this is what's interesting. He said, when that happened, he said, every single lost person in the entire um, room ran to the front and gave their hearts to Jesus. 
You know, when the devil shows up, he needs to be confronted. He needs to be confronted. Now, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 12. He said, when an evil spirit goes out of a man, it goes through dry places. It seeks rest and it finds none. Then it says, well, let me just say something here. He says, when he goes out of a man, an unclean spirit is like a disembodied spirit, right? It's an evil presence. It can only manifest and find rest when it has a host. It's looking for a person. And Jesus said, when it comes out of a man, it's seeking rest. It finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house. And when he says my house, he's talking about your body. See, when you participate with the devil, he believes you belong to him. Right? He says, I will return to my house from which I came. And then he comes. He finds it swept empty and put in order. He goes and he takes seven with him, seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. So shall it be also with this wicked generation. So what he's saying is this, that when the devil leaves, he often comes back. He tries to come back. When Jesus said, be gone, the Bible says he left for a more opportune time. He came back. Not every, by any stretch of the imagination, every sickness is demonic, but some are. In Luke, the 13th chapter, Jesus is in the synagogue and there's a woman who's bent over and can in no way raise herself up. And the Bible says she had a spirit of infirmity. And Jesus saw her and he called her to himself and said, woman, you're loosed of your infirmity. And he placed his hands on her and immediately she's made straight. The ruler of the synagogue with indignation says, hey, there's six days to be healed. Come on those, but not on the Sabbath day. And Jesus said, you hypocrite. Each one of you, if his donkey falls into a, a pit, will not immediately go and pull him out. And then he said, ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, who bound? Satan has bound for 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. So Jesus said it was Satan that bound her. But when a person is prayed for and there's healing, very often the enemy will come back and he'll try to bring that thing back. Right? But what all you need to do is stand, take your authority as a believer, and you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. It, it, it really does seem to me at times like the whole Bible is trying to teach us how to talk. You ever think about that? Joshua 1, 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. That you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. You'll make your way prosperous. You'll have good success. In Job, the Bible says, you will also declare or decree a thing and it will be established for you. The psalmist said in Psalms 91, he said, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Psalms 107 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Joel said, let the weak say I am strong. Isaiah 57, God said, I will create the fruit of your lips. 
Isaiah 59, God said, my word that I put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth nor the mouth of your descendants nor the mouth of your descendants' descendants from this time forth and forevermore. How many of that includes us? That includes us. Of course, Revelation says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Hebrews 13 says, therefore, we will boldly say the Lord is my helper. Romans 8. What shall we then say to these things? When trouble shows up, you are supposed to be saying something. And of course, Jesus said, whosoever will say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. But believe that those things which he saith will come to pass. He'll have whatsoever he saith. Now, here's the crazy thing. Jesus said you'll have what you say and everybody says what they've got. So all you ever get is what you already have. But Jesus was telling us this. We need to begin to say what God says about our situation. What Jesus purchased for us in his death, burial and resurrection. Right? Uh, the Bible says to fight the good fight of faith. The Christian life is supposed to be a fight. So many Christians are just going with the current, just going with the flow, right? but it's supposed to be a fight. And if we're going to stand against the world, the flesh and the devil, we need to stand up and we need to speak what God says about our situation. All right. In Acts chapter 16, Verse 16 says, now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us. Uh, many of you know this, but the Greek, it says here in my English Bible, the spirit of divination, the Greek says she had a python spirit. I think we all know what a python does, right? Wraps itself around its prey and it crushes its prey. That is exactly what the devil wants to do. He wants an inroad into our life. And he wants to wrap himself around us and crush us. He comes to steal, to kill and destroy. She brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. She did this many days, but Paul greatly annoyed turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out that very same hour came out that same hour when her master saw their hope of profit was gone. Now, here's what I think is interesting. Uh, they get in trouble and thrown in prison for helping that girl. Not everybody's going to be happy when you take your authority, when you begin to fight the good fight of faith. Right? But it is what God has called us to do. God has victory for us. Uh, again, Joshua 1, 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. That you, then you will make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. How I many you know God wants you to have success? He wants you to have success in your relationships, success in your marriage. He wants you to have success in your job. God wants you to have success. Let me tell you, the devil is the one who will oppose a Christian in every step of the way in living the Christian life. And I want to go back just a moment to uh, Mark 11. What Jesus spoke, uh, Jesus and his disciples are staying at the home of Martha, Lazarus, and Mary in Bethany. It's about three miles from Jerusalem. You actually come up over Mount Scolpus or Mount of Olives, and then you come down and you literally, back in those days, you would walk right in the Golden Gate into the Temple Mount. Um, as they're on their way, they pass a fig tree. 
And Jesus, seeing the tree, goes over, thinking he might find some figs. And when he finds no figs, he said, no one eat fruit of you again forever. They went into Jerusalem. He taught in the temple. They went back to Mary and Martha's house, spent the night, got up in the morning. They're on their way back to Jerusalem and they come by the tree again. Most likely they passed the tree in the afternoon as well. And the disciples notice the tree and they say, Jesus, look at the tree that you cursed. He said, it's withered and it's died. Now, the disciples says he cursed the tree. How many of you know Jesus did not say four letter words to the tree? What Jesus said was, no one ever eat fruit from you again forever. He spoke words, negative words of death to that tree. 24 hours later, the disciples say, look, that tree is withered from its roots. Jesus said to them, verse 22, he said, have faith in God. Verse 23, for verily, surely, I love this. Some of my, my, my favorites are verily. You know, I'm, I like some of that old stuff. All right. Other translations say surely or truly. Now, this is Jesus, right? And he always tells the truth. How many of you know Jesus always tells the truth? So when Jesus starts a conversation with you and says to you, I'm going to tell you the truth. This is what it means. Two things. Number one, he will tell you the truth. Number two, you won't believe it. So Jesus is setting you up and saying, look, I'm going to tell you something right now and you are going to hear it and you are going to go. That is not right. It can't work like that. That is not the way it is. But Jesus warns you to start out with, you won't believe it, but this is how things work. Right? He said, verily, I say to you that whosoever this will work for who? Whosoever this works, man, woman, rich, poor, this, work for, this, this will work for you if you live in a cardboard box under a bridge on an expressway or you're a plutocrat. It does not matter. This will work for whosoever will say. Whosoever. So the first thing that faith ever moves is your mouth. All right? If your faith will not move your mouth, it will never move a mountain. Right? In Romans chapter 8, it says, but what does it, faith, say? What does faith say? Because faith's always talking. Right? Faith is going to say something. What does it say? It says the word is near you. Now, there is a word of healing, of deliverance, of peace, of provision. It's near you. The Bible says it's in your mouth and in your heart, even the word of faith, which we preach. So Jesus said, whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith will come to pass. He will have whatsoever he saith. Now, I'm just going to say a couple things about this. First of all, Jesus is telling you how to move a mountain. If it was God's will for you to have the mountain, Jesus would not have told you how to move it. Because there's a lot of people that think the mountain in their life is something God sent. But Jesus is telling you how to move that mountain. And he's telling us how to move it because it's not God's will. Now that mountain, it might be sickness, disease, it might be depression, it might be literally a thousand different things. But Jesus said you can move it 
And he actually said this. He said, it's not up to God whether the mountain moves. He said, it's up to you. It's up to me. He says, because if you will say to the mountain. Now, again, so many of us, we just talk about our mountains. We talk about how long we've had them, how much they hurt, how much they cost, how they run in the family. Right? But really, you need to not be talking about your mountain. You need to talk to your mountain. Right? And so often we're just like, God, do something about my mountain. And God's saying, hey, I gave you some authority. Use it. Speak to that mountain. Speak to that mountain. You need to call that mountain up. 1-800-MOUNTAIN. <laughs> say, I've got some things I want to say to you right now. That you have been messing in my home with my family and my kids. And it's over in Jesus' name. You can't have my family. You can't have my kids. You cannot have our peace. We will not put up with you in our house in Jesus' name. Right? You've got to speak that. Because you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Right? That blood needs to be applied. If you go back to the Old Testament, the day of, of Passover comes. The death angel is going to pass through the land. And God said this statement. He said, wherever I see the blood, I will not allow the death angel to do any harm. So Moses said on the 10th day of the month, every family take a lamb to your house and keep it till the 14th day of the month at sunset and kill that lamb. Now, when they killed the lamb, which is a type of Jesus, the Bible says in Corinthians, Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed for us. It's a type of Jesus. And then they caught the blood in a basin. So when the lamb died, listen, the lamb's part was done. When Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood, his part was done. Right? But the people had to catch that blood. Stand in front of their house with a piece of hyssop. It's a very common plant, kind of like goldenrod might be around here. And stick that in that blood and strike above the door, stick it back in the blood, strike to the right, stick it back in the blood and strike to the left of the door. They had to apply the blood. Today, the believer needs to apply the blood. But you and I don't use a stick or a piece of hyssop. We use the hyssop of our tongue. Your tongue and my tongue are the way that we apply the blood of Jesus today. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. In 2 Corinthians 4.13, it says this. Since we have the same spirit of faith. It is literally identical. We have the identical carbon copy spirit of faith. According to what's written, I believed, therefore I spoke. They believed, therefore they what? Spoke. Then he says, we also believe, therefore we speak. Therefore we speak. The way we say no to the devil, if we tell him no, but we come with the word of God, and we apply that word, the, what the blood has purchased for us by agreeing, by speaking. But what does faith say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart, even the word of faith, which we preach. God wants us to have victory. But in order for us to have victory, we've got to fight 
the good fight of faith. And that fight really has two parts. It has what you believe in your heart and what you say with your mouth. Jesus said, whosoever will say to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. And by the way, the sea is the one place that's big enough to take a mountain, receive that mountain and cover it up. And you can look for it and never find it. Jesus is saying, no matter what problem you and I have, we can speak to that mountain and that mountain will remove. And the day will come when you will look for that mountain and there will be no residue of that mountain there. It will be gone. You'll tell people you used to have a mountain and they'll go, no, you never had a mountain because it won't even look like you. You had a mountain like when the three Hebrew children came out of the fiery furnace. The Bible said they didn't even smell like smoke. Right? You can be delivered well, that mountain is cast into the sea. Right? You don't doubt in your heart, but believe that those things that you say will come to pass. You'll have whatsoever you say, whatsoever you say. And what, as I said before, kind of got off on this little tangent. It seems like God's kind to teach us how to talk, that we need to say what God says about our situation. When Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land, 10 came back with a report contrary to what God said. God said, I've given you the land. 10 said, oh, it's, it's beautiful like God said, but there's seven nations, there's walled cities, there's giants, and we cannot go in. Two said, let us go up at once and take possession. Two million people began to complain and said, we can't go in, we can't go in. And this is what God said, as you've spoken in my ear, so I'll do to you. Every one of you who said, we cannot go in, you'll die. You're going to die. You're not going in. Except for Joshua and Caleb. And I love what God said about Caleb. He said, because he had a different spirit. They're the ones who said, let us go in at once and take possession. Two million people died because they said, we can't go in. And of the two million, two went in. The two that said, let us go up at once and take possession. The two that believed when God said, I've given you the land, went in. And all the rest that looked at the circumstances, who looked at the giants, they all died. Everybody got what they believed and what they said. It's no different today. No different today. The Bible says in Peter that he's given us exceeding great and precious promises. That by these we might become partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. They tell us there's 7,000 promises in the Bible. I don't know what your problem is, but there's a promise to cover it. There is a promise for you. We need to get it in our heart and begin to speak it from our mouth. All right, would you please bow your heads for just a moment? Again, uh, uh, if you can, would you take hands with somebody that you came with? I, I was reading in June in the book of Psalms. And I came across this verse where the psalmist said, this I know because God is for me. This I know because God is for me. So many people believe that God is against them, that God has abandoned them, that God is punishing them, that God is somehow distant. But I want you to know that the one that is telling you that it's not God. That's the devil. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the one who comes, Jesus said, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. 
And this is what I know. I know that God loves you and that God is reaching out to you. That the devil may have told you it's too late. You've gone too far. You've done too much, but it is not too late. It is not too late. Jesus wants you to become a part of his family, a part of his kingdom. He wants to make you new on the inside. And there are literally people that are listening right now that you need God to come in to rescue your life, to rescue you. And that is exactly what Peter said. He said, be saved from this perverse generation. That is what God wants to do. He wants to come into our lives and rescue us from the the world that we're living in. The Old Testament prophet said it like this. The Lord says, I know the thoughts I have towards you, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then God said, you'll call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. Well, we are going to pray right now, all of us together. And I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And if you're away from God, you don't know where you stand with God. I want you to pray this prayer from your heart. And when we say amen at the end of this prayer, if you will pray this from your heart, you're going to be right with God. The Bible says this in Romans 10. It says, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we are going to call on his name the way the Bible shows us to. So if you can't take hands with somebody and I want you to pray this out loud to make these words your own. If you're online, pray this prayer out loud from your heart. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe that he rose again. Victorious over death, sin, and the devil. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I receive Jesus as my king. I'm going to live for him every day. And I thank you that you have heard my prayer. That my past is gone. That I am taken out of the kingdom of darkness and put into the kingdom of God. And I am yours today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.